0: Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you are good and that your word brings life. I pray, God, that our hearts would be open, our ears would be open, our mind would be open, that we would be transformed, and that we would turn into the image of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Well, uh, thank you, Pastor Ken and Pastor Randall, for preaching while I was away. We listened to your sermons, and you're doing great. That was theologically sound, spiritually inspired, and biblically solid. So I hope that I can continue in the same vein. So we are doing a series this year through the Gospel of John, and the Gospel of John is a wonderful book. The Gospel of John is different to the other Gospels, Matthew Mark and Luke. They're known as the synoptic gospels, which just means similar. And quite often, if you were to line them up side by side, they have the same stories, uh, similar type of uh, uh, miracles, and sometimes it's even word for, for word. And they give us information about the things that Jesus did. But John's gospel is a little different. John's gospel was written by John when he was a very old man and he had lived a long time but he not only gives us the information about Jesus but more importantly he gives a revelation of who Jesus is. He focuses on the identity of Jesus and what that means. So as you are reading through the gospel of John you need to ask yourself this question, what is John trying to say to me about who Jesus is? And if we do a very quick recap, as you begin to read the Gospel of John, we know it says in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And John is saying Jesus is God, and He is God, and He's part of creation. And then as we read through that first chapter, we can see there are several titles that John gives us so that we can understand who Jesus is. And John is actually not only writing to the Jew, but he's writing to the Greek, the Greek mindset. And we are Greek thinkers because of logic and reason. So he mentions things like that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Lamb of God. You know, that was that section where, you know, John recalls when John the Baptist saw Jesus he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John is focusing in his Gospels who Jesus is, but who he is so that we can understand and then we can take that truth, make ourselves aware of who we are really serving, that he is Lord, and we can live our life to the fullest. Now there is a scripture that is really the central theme of the Gospel of John. What do you think the central theme or the the Scripture that is the central theme out of the Gospel of John. No, it's not John 3.16. John 3.16 is the most well-known, and I think we all need to know that God so loved the world. But it's not John 3.16. If you go to chapter 20 of the Gospel of John, which is the last chapter, And if you look at verse 30 and 31, there's a little heading on your Bible that says the purpose. And here is the central theme of John that he writes to us, and it is this. And would we read it all together? Are you ready? But these are written, is that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. The whole purpose, the whole reason why John writes all these things is so that that we continue to believe. You know, sometimes in our faith, in our walk, have you ever found it hard to believe? You might be going through something. You're going, God, are you there? God, what what are you doing? But John writes these things so we can have a revelation of who he is and we can put our trust in him so that you continually believe that he is the Messiah. He is the answer to the, the situation not only of the world, but he's the son of God. And that by believing in him, by putting our faith in him 100%, you will all have life by the power of his name. That's the same thing as in life and power go together. So I'm going to encourage you, by the end of this year, you memorize John chapter 20, verse 31. Let's say it again together. Are you ready? I'll turn around because it's some, for some strange reasons, that's very blurry at the back now. Okay, isn't it amazing how things change in a week? Okay, but these are written, I want you to say with conviction, all right? But these are written so you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing in him, you will have life, power in his name. That is the central theme. I want you to have a revelation of who Jesus is this year continually. I am praying that you will have a continual, ongoing revelation of who Jesus is. So, let's just have a little bit of background as we move into our next portion of Scripture. So, this is what's happened. John has spoken about Jesus as the Word. He's given us the titles. John the Baptist has declared that he's the Lamb of God. Then, all of a sudden, John and Andrew, it mentions Andrew by name, but it is believed to be John, they go to Jesus, and they want to follow Jesus, and so they go. Then... Andrew grabs his brother, Simon Peter. Simon Peter joins the group with Jesus. So there's Jesus, then there's three. Then comes Philip. And Philip joins. And then Nathaniel, who who said basically, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Remember that? And Jesus says, "Here's, here's an Israelite in whom there's no guile. In other words, there's no deception in this guy. He calls it as he sees it. He joins So there's five disciples and Jesus. So let's go to our reading, which is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 2. And we're going to read it from verse 1 to 12. So I'll read it and follow along with me. And it says this, the next day. That's after the next day that these guys have joined together. And actually, in some Bibles, it says the third day. Now, that's really important. The third day. So... There was a wedding celebration in the village of Canaan in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his five disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him they have no wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. These stone jars, not clay jars, stone jars, they're enormous and what they would do, they would wash their hands before having a meal and then between each course of the meal, they would go back and wash their hands again. So these are important. They're not clay because clay could be contaminated. These are stone jars. So, there's these stone jars. Do whatever. Standing by near is six stone jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons, 113 liters per jar. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, Now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. Oh, better go along. Thank you, Melina. Followed his instructions. Hey, where are we? So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water, there was now wine. Not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host... Always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Canaan and Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mothers, his brothers, and his disciples. So what an interesting thing, a wedding. Historical background in the time of Jesus. Just give us some history about what it's like. Weddings were really important events. They didn't have Foxtel. They didn't have Netflix. They didn't have Stan or YouTube. Part of the interaction of people of that, they didn't even have iPhones. Can you believe that? part of the main communication interaction being with other people were at major celebration events and a wedding was probably one of the most important a wedding celebration went for 7 days now that's a party an absolute bang up long day and and it was the responsibility of the bridegroom and the bridegroom's family to supply wine and food for seven days. We are not getting married, all right? We're not having seven-day celebrations. You can imagine that night and day being with your family. Wouldn't that be fun, all right? And friends and, you know, strangers. Often the whole village was incorporated in this, And it was his responsibility. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been to a wedding, all right, and they say, we have an open bar until 9 p.m. And everyone goes, "Ah," and they all freak out, and they all rush to the bar, and then after that, no one drinks again, all right? This didn't happen. It was like your responsibility. Make sure there's plenty of food and wine for seven days. And so what happens is, bang, they run out. But you see the wine in that day was actually mixed down one part wine, four to five parts water. So it was highly diluted wine. but strangely enough, people seem to overindulge at, and in this case, as is pointed out by the MC. Now Jesus and his disciples are invited to attend and it's the third, Day, That's important because when there was a Jewish wedding, they would get married. The virgin of the situation would get married on a Wednesday. A widow would get married on a Thursday. We believe that this is a virgin girl that's getting married. In fact, historians believe that it's actually Mary's sister who is the mother-in-law, Salome. And it's actually one of Jesus' cousins is getting married. Now, I don't know how they worked that out, but that's, that's kind of like saying, okay, that's pretty cool. So there's this great interaction that's going on. So she gets married on the Wednesday, and they actually get married at night. There's quite a celebration. It's quite quite a dramatic thing where they would march through the village and they would take them into the home and they would sit them down. They would actually put crowns on their head. Listen to this. And people would have to serve them and it would be like their day. That's where we get the term, it's her day, all right, because she's the queen. But there's a major problem happening on the third day. So we've got Wednesday. Then we've got Thursday. Then we've got Friday. And then we've got Saturday. And Saturday is, to the Jew, the Sabbath. So this takes place on the Sabbath, which is really important. And they run out. Now, if you were to run out of wine or food at a wedding celebration, it was the utmost embarrassing thing for the bridegroom. Because face is everything. You know? Mm, oh yeah okay and they couldn't text their friends and say you'll never believe what's happened at this wedding <laughs> what a drama they've run out of wine oh my gosh do people gossip back then as they do today oh, i think so in a very small community if the word got out that is why jesus mother who is the sister of the mother to the bride okay, is, I won't say interfering, but making an awareness of what is happening in the situation. And she says this to Jesus, <clears throat> we've run out of wine. Now, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. So from my kind of like theology I'm thinking Jesus already knows that they've run out of wine. But his mum says, they've run out of wine. And what does Jesus say? This is what he says. It's not my problem. I want you to turn to someone this morning and say to him, it's not my problem. Now, you say to that person, I'll tell you what your problem is. It's not, my, it's not my problem. Now, this is a really interesting thing because here we have a picture of a relationship taking place. It's kind of like, hmm, have you ever had someone tell you, for example, I'll just pull something random out of the air, that your friend or your wife comes to you and says, the neighbor's cat's up the tree. It's not my problem. (laughs) It's not my cat. Or we've run out of milk for coffee. Oh, that's not my problem because I don't put milk in my coffee. I drink my coffee black. However, if they would have said they've run out of milk for cereal in the morning, then that's my problem. Here's the problem. When someone tells you the problem, they're not so much in letting you know the information. They're wanting you to Fix the problem. Guys, if you're married and you've never worked that out, there is a clue for you this morning to help you get through life and just fix the problem. But Jesus says, it's not my problem. My time has not come. My hour has not hit the point of who he is to be shown to be the son of God. It's not my problem. And, you know, it's not my time to be glorified. Now, I don't know if this happened, but this is what I think might have happened. When someone says, you know, son, son, they've got no wine. And she says, it's not my problem. My time to be glorified hasn't come. I am almost certain that Mary went like this. Now, it doesn't tell you if If she did that or if Jesus responded, it only tells you that she says, do whatever he tells you to do. So Mary goes, knowing that he can fix the problem, Jesus looks at her and he doesn't roll his eyes. I think the only time I was thinking about this, that Jesus rolled his eyes, is when the devil came to him and said, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus went, oh, seriously? Man shall not live by bread alone. Whenever the devil comes to you and tempts you, just go like this. I ain't doing it because that's so dumb. All right? But Jesus, he probably looked at her and loved her like he looked at her from the cross and loved her. And that's his mom. We forget these things. This is his mom. And then what does Jesus do? Well, Jesus does something incredible. He says, go and fill up those jars with water. Why? Because they weren't full. So they go and fill them up right to the very top. She did not know what he would do, but he tells them, to go and do what he says. She could have thought in her mind, oh, they're going to run to the next village and get some more wine. Oh, they're going to get some grapes and they're going to stamp on them and turn. She had no clue. But what she did know was this. Jesus could fix the problem. Jesus is the solution in this situation. She didn't know what was going to happen, but she just said, bang, this is going to happen. So my point is this, that wherever you are, Jesus will meet your needs. Jesus, Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 says, And my God will meet all my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. It's through Christ Jesus. That's the point. Because Jesus is interested in what you're going through. He's interested where you are in your point in your life. Jesus is interested. That's what I find so incredible about this. As the Son of God, the Messiah, the Lamb of God, the Chosen One, He is interested. He is even interested about what takes place in a wedding in Canaan, in Galilee, where there ain't a lot of people. Because Jesus meets you what your need is at the most, and he will come and he will will take take place in that thing. So my question for you to this morning is where do you need Jesus to meet you? Because he's interested in what you're going through, he's interested. He's gonna supply your need, what you need in this situation. Even at a celebration and a wedding in the middle of nowhere. And Mary says this, do whatever he tells you to do. Now there's a word there for someone this morning. You have a need. He has spoken. Do whatever he tells you to do. Can you imagine the servants? And he says, fill it, fill them up. And they say, why? Why? Why, what's going on? Servants don't ask why. Servants just respond to the word. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you are a servant of the Lord, don't ask why, just do what he tells you to do. But it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't have to make any sense to you. He's God. He knows what he's doing. If you know that you know that you know that he said to do this, then do it. Don't sit around and go, why, why, why? That's not the point of the the process of you growing in Christ. The point is you do what he says. Servants never ask their Lord why. Now that I have been in, you know, Placed with the title of Lord James Cameron, if my kids come to me and say, why? I say, well, hang on, hang on. Lord. Lord James here. Yeah, but why? Don't. Just do. Do. Alfred Lord Tennyson, I, I love this. He writes a poem, The Charge of the Light Brigade. Who knows that? Put your hand up. Let me just see how many people are still... okay which depicts a group of soldiers making this incredible run into a situation that is so desperate and dire. In 1854, it's the Battle of Balaclava. And this is what he writes. He says this, Theirs was not to make reply. Theirs was not to reason why. Theirs but to do and die. Into the valley of death, rode the 600s. Can I say this? Ours is not to reason why. Ours is about to do and die to self. Because whenever he speaks, the first thing that comes up is my free will. Don't eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Why? Just don't. Don't watch that stuff on television that's not good for your spirit and your soul. But why? Don't steal. But why? I read a post the other day on Facebook by uh, an actress who says, everyone tells lies. I thought, wow, that's pretty amazing. That would be good for her taxes and her bank and the people that she works with. They'll never trust her. Ours is not to reason why. Ours is about to do to self and dime. I have found this. I don't know about you. But whenever I pray and I ask, Pastor Ken, for God to do something in my life, and he says, do this, and I go, why? But then push it to the back and do it. I go, wow, I didn't expect that. He did it his way. He didn't do it my way. God's ways are higher than our ways, greater than our ways. We are to be just servants of the Lord and do what he says because he will answer that way. So he says, fill up these six stone jars, 113 liters each. So if you were to multiply 113 liters by six, that would be six three is 18. Carry the one. Six ones is six and one is seven and six and one is six. So 678 litres. Just out of curiosity, I didn't know what the standard size of a glass of wine was in Australia. Now apparently it's 270 millilitres. If you divide 270 millilitres into what was that number? 678 litres. Do you know how many glasses of wine was produced on that day? 2,511.13 recurring. That's a lot of wine. For a little town in Galilee, a village. Enormous. Fill them up with water. They fill them up with water. Then he says, go and get a scoop. Scoop it into the glass or the cup and give it to the MC. Now, if I was the servant, I would be going, am I being set up here for failure? (laughs) Seriously, because I'm a servant, all right? I don't have any rights. You know, I get to lick the bowl at the end of the day. And they give it to him, and what does he do? He drinks it, and he goes, simply the best, better than all the rest. Better than anyone. You're better than any bridegroom I've ever met. Because what happens at weddings is this. They bring out the good wine first, and then they bring out the bad. But you've brought out the best to last. Man. Here's the second point. Jesus creates the best. Even at a wedding. He creates the best. Jesus takes what you have and he makes it makes it the best. There's a theme that runs through our Bible, folks. All that Moses has is a staff. Man, that's it. What have you got? I've got a staff. Lift it up. Hit the ground. Hit the water. Do this, do that with the staff. All Moses had was a staff. All they had was five loaves and two fish. What have you got? What have you found? Little kid crying in the corner. They've taken my lunch. They've taken my lunch. Five loaves and two fishes. Perfect. Perfect. All they had was just this woman, a widow, was a little flour, a handful of flour, and a little oil. That's all they had. And it served them. It served them. He takes what you have, creates the best, makes it the absolute premium. It changes. If you give him your life, he will make it the best life. He will make it the best. Don't come into commitment as a servant as well, I'm kind of like 50% committed. Don't be committed at all. Don't waste your time. Don't waste his time. If you will give him your life, he will make it the best. Now, that does not exempt us from trials and tribulations and challenges and times of being stretched. No, but I tell you what, it's still going to be the best. I need Him to be in my life when I'm going through the trials, the tribulations, the tests, the stretches, the challenges. I love these servants. There's no response from them but just obedience. They take it to the guy and they're... they're, Can you imagine that? And they just give it to him? Obedience is the action of the blessing of God. I want to be blessed. Bless me, bless me, bless me. But what area of your life do you need to be obedient in? Now, think about this. This is so brilliant. Who got complimented at the wedding? got complimented at the wedding? The bridegroom. He got the, man, this is simply the best. This is, this is incredible. The bridegroom got complimented. Do you know, that's an amazing thing. He wants you to be complimented in life. He wants people to see what's happening in your life and you go, wow, that's amazing. He wants you to be complimented by others. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Where are we going with this? Where are we going with this? Next point. Jesus reveals his glory. Okay? Now, The bridegroom got complimented, but Jesus revealed his glory. Sometimes people come and if we're hiring this facility during the week for a day conference, which we do from time to time, they they drive in, they see all the car parking, they see all the land, they come in and they go, wow, this is a really good building. You did a great job here. This is amazing. And I take them up. I show them all through where the boardroom is. And I take them, you know, over here, show them the offices. They go to the toilets and they go, these are the best toilets we've ever seen in our life. I don't know what they've got at home, but what the heck. Take them upstairs and they go, you know, there's so many rooms in this place. This is amazing. And I said, oh, I didn't do it. It was a whole group of people that did it a whole group of people. And then I say this, but really, all the glory has to go to God because he's the one who builds the house. This was not my idea. I'm not that smart, folks. This was his idea. And all the glory goes to him. And so this church is a representation of the glory of God, which reveals and shows his faithfulness and goodness. Jesus reveals who he is by what he has done. That word, the question is, what does revealed his glory mean? This is what it means, and this is really important. Jesus manifested his glory by revealing who he is by the works he performed. Jesus reveals his glory of who he is by the works he has performed. John is showing us a picture here of who Jesus is. That Jesus is interested in you. That Jesus cares about you. That Jesus will do a miracle in your life. Uh, some of you aren't getting it this morning. Guy meets girl. Guy likes girl. Girl likes guy. Girl has dog. Guy says, I like dogs. Girl says, oh. Dog jumps on guy. Guy goes, oh, don't let the dog jump all over me. Girl says, I thought you said you like dogs. Girl, smart girl. Says, not the guy. He says, but his actions really prove who he is. Next day, girl meets guy too. Girl likes guy too. Guy likes girl. Girl says, I've got a dog. Guy says, I like dogs. Girl says, smart girl, I've heard this before. Dog jumps on guy guy grabs dog hugs it grabs it by the ear kisses it right on the lips Mm. now right now those people are going oh are the ones who don't like dogs the ones who like dogs go yeah kisses them smack on the lips Mm. every time we talk to Jay and Jonah in Melbourne I say make sure you give Roy a big kiss on the lips for me Mm, mm, and he goes you're a good little boy why do people change their voices when they're talking to dogs that's a question for the ages girl goes guy likes dog this is the guy for me they get married and they live happily ever after (laughs) with dog you reveal Not who you say you are, by what you do. I'm Lord James. How is a Lord to act? Here's a clue. Do you know any other Lords? Who's the number one Lord? Jesus, not me. Who said me? (laughs) Thank you, but you're... You're in deception right now, brother. (laughs) Jesus is the number one Lord. What does Jesus do? Serve. Thank you very much, Esther, for this, but you can have it back now. Because if I'm a Lord, then really what I do is to serve. Because the title should really reveal the truth of what a Lord is. Jesus reveals his glory. He shows us in the book of John, this gospel, he shows us who he is. Just in that snippet of those 12 verses out of this first story, Jesus meets our need, creates the best, and reveals this. God is good. God is good. This is a word of encouragement for us that wherever you are, whatever your circumstances is, it might not be good, it might be challenging, it might be stressful, you might have been going through it for a long time, you might be like Joseph who was in prison, who was, you know, a slave, but in one moment, God showed his goodness and he helped to save a nation and nations of the world. What did Jesus do? He gave his life. He proved who he was, that he is totally for you 100%. You need to surrender 100% because he's interested in where you are, what you're doing. He is totally interested in you to the point that he will create the best. The only thing that is stopping us is us. Everything is there. And you know what you've got to change. You know what you've got to lay down. You just need to commit to Him. Do what He asks you to do. And don't go, why? Just go, okay, I'm in this. Because He always reveals that He is good. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.